Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Really, really good. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. It's got to be one of my favorite Christmas songs, and that is one of the nicest arrangements right there. That's great. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. What a great season we're in. And um, that was really good. Really good. To answer that question, I think Mary did know. (laughs) She was given lots of, um, lots of, information about who this little one would be. This is our theme for the month, Emmanuel, uh, God with us. And um, when we started this season and I was praying about, excuse me, the, uh, what I was going to share on this month, I became pretty captivated by the search and then, the, then following and then worshiping. So yeah, last week I spoke on searching, this week I want to talk about following and on our Christmas Eve service, I want to talk about worshiping. So bring, bring your friends and family on Christmas Eve. This is one of the easiest asks for people to come out. And uh, I promise that we won't embarrass you. Uh, I'll do a talk, not a preach. I won't spit on anybody. And um, we, we were, uh, I just want to say yesterday, what a great day we had. It is the season. So many people work so hard to make that work. So I just want to thank everybody who's involved with that. Even the crokinole contest. I'm surprised I met some Canadians who didn't know what crokinole was. I don't know. And um, horse rides and uh, just so many great, great, great um, things were going on as well as lots of help. So thank you everybody for helping out with that. And uh, the, the goal was to get people together um, as, uh, just as one big family and just to be together as a family. And uh, I thought it was really, really successful. And tur- the turkey dinner was phenomenal. So um, anyway, thank you everybody for that. Um, I want, I'm, I'm wanting to begin our uh, year with uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, we're just calling it the 7-Eleven Challenge. It's not a, you don't have to fast just the five days. You can fast a week or 21 or 40 days or whatever you need to. But uh, this is part of um, a following life is uh, prayer and fasting. And um, the other thing for the year for me is I- increasing the Bible literacy for our entire church. And so uh, we've, uh, I bought a whole bunch of one-year Bibles out there. Uh, I'm selling them for $35. You can get them probably for $28 on Amazon. Um, and then, but there's a, but, or two for 60 And uh, they're great Christmas gifts, I think. But, but many times I find that people tell me, I wish I knew more about the Bible. Or I would love to read right through the Bible. Well, here's the challenge. Go do it. Buy, buy a one-year Bible and read it. And, uh, but, but, um, so anyway, they're going to be out there between services and, um, and I'm just thinking about, um, throughout the year, how I can help increase biblical literacy. And, um, and so anyway, that's, they're out in the foyer and I hope you, hope you buy one or one for your, um, son or daughter or uncle or aunt. Um, we went to a children's program, our grandkids were doing a children's program at the school and, um. And once again, I, I do, I understand the reason for Prozac. <laughs> Should slip some into somebody's Frosted Flakes. I think that there was a, um, it was a great, great night watching the kids. I always love, 
And, and you know, when you see them, the children, um, I sometimes think, okay, so where are they going to be in 15 years or 20 years? And some of the stats, you know, even though they're singing about the Christmas story, the stats are not that great um, about how, how life's going to go for some of them. And, uh, and you do just wonder, how's it going to go for some of those beautiful, innocent little princesses and those young men? And you, can, you can almost pick out the engineers and the accountants. Uh, um, but but I, I just think about, you know, when, when we think about the, this journey that we have, starting out is not the great thing. It's finishing. I'm not that impressed with starters anymore. I'm a great starter, not that great a finisher. And, um, and I'm quite impressed with those that kept searching until they found Christ. And, uh, and each one that, ever, that found Christ, they always left different. And um, so I'm just thinking about that, and, and I love watching people. It's another thing I like. I really love watching people, and um, um, I, I'm reminded that rational behavior is not a trademark of humanity. I, I don't know what you, about you. When I get on elevators, I watch how many times people press their button. You ever do that? As if it's going to get there any faster. They said the, the, the ones that crosswalk, 70% of those are placebos. They're just like, you push the button, but it's already set up. Um, I, 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 the other question I have is, um, maybe I'm the only one that's asked it, why, why do they put uh, instructions on shampoo bottles? This is such a mystery to me. Jumping in the shower, gee, now what am I going to do with that? <laughs> it, it's just interesting, the questions that, that we can have, at, uh, especially at Christmas time. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2, and then... Turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. After that, I want to talk some more about, a little bit about some Christian, sorry, Christmas questions. Um, starting at chapter 2 of Matthew, and I just want to read uh, now verse 8 to verse 12. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Herod was speaking. And after this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. It's really interesting, eh, that, that this light, like, you know, if a star stops, that means the earth stopped turning. Rotating at 66,000 miles per hour could cause a bit of kerfuffle. Anyway, the star, and it st stopped where the child was. Uh, and, and, you know, and I just feel sometimes when, uh, until you, when, as soon as you meet Christ, like, time stops. And he, and it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And, of course, when you meet, there's really only one superstar. When you meet him, um, joy fills your heart. And they entered the house where the child was. His mother Mary and, where the, and Mary were, and they fell down before him. They worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and more. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Interesting progression. They go from following a physical sign to following the scriptures to following dreams. I just love that they are intent on following. And the Lord uses all kinds of methods to get us where we need to get to. And we need to stay open as the Lord leads us, and I just think that he's constantly trying to lead us. In Luke chapter 2, 
typically what we read on Christmas morning. Uh, I just want to start at verse 8 about the shepherds. I'm interested in what happened to them. That night with some shepherds, they were in a field outside the village guarding flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel appeared among them, not over them, but with them. There's angels among us. An angel appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, because I bring you good news, great joy for every person. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. I love these titles. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how that you will recognize him, because you do need to have eyes to see. You do need to recognize him. You'll find a baby, implies a search. You'll find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angels, joined by vast hosts of others, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all whom God favors. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they ran to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And then the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart. Thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks. And uh, glorifying God. They went back different. Went back glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. Because they had seen the child just as the angel said. Father, I thank you for your word. It has power to transform us if we submit ourselves to it. And this morning we submit ourselves to your word. The teaching of your word and the direction of your word. Let us lead us closer to Christ today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, last week I talked about the question, where's the king? And... Um, and what we do when the throne gets threatened, and um, we all get threatened. I'm assuming many of your thrones got threatened this week, and uh, mine, mine is con continually threatened. Where is the king? Uh, pride will cause you to defend your throne, and uh, humility will allow you to dethrone yourself so that Christ can once again rule on the thrones of our heart. That's the thesis of last week's talk. I think the searches are sacred. And, uh, and I love the search. I often, when I'm, when I'm uh, you know, you're on Kijiji or something, they ask you to define the search. Make your search even more specific. And I think that's what happened in the life of these, the, specifically the Magi. They said, after they'd seen the star and heard the scriptures, he said, now go search diligently or go search specifically. They defined the search and it kept getting finer and finer. As I get older, I realize the search continues, doesn't stop. But it gets more and more and more defined. And for those of you who think that you found Christ one day and that's enough, may I encourage you to keep searching because there's more. There's always more. And, uh, and maybe you just need to define the search a little bit more. And maybe you found him as Savior, but there's more. And you may need him for something different today. And in order to do that, we need to keep and continue following all of our lives, we give more and more definition to the search. Um, they went from following a star to following scripture, then going and searching carefully, and then after that, a dream. Following. 
followers are interested. If I asked you how many followers you had, it would be a different answer than you would have asked them. We think of followers as those on Instagram and Facebook. I've seen a, a, a guy who said, I don't have a Facebook or an Instagram account, but I just go around hollering random ideas of what's going through my head. I have three followers. Two of them are the police now. <laughs> Pardon me. God with us. God was made visible. He's here. But we must seek to find him. If God were visible, what would he look like? I really love that God doesn't leave us in the dark. That question was answered when Mary looked into the face of God. We never have to wonder anymore, does God love, does God care, does God understand? Because Emmanuel, God with us, reminds us of exactly who he is and exactly what he's like. And later he would say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you wonder what God is like, you look at Jesus and you'll know what he's like. You find out what he's like. I think it's amazing when God does something in, in moments. And as I said a bit earlier, I, I, I love seeing people touched by God. That's why we continue to have altar responses. I love to see that. But what I love even more is people that can say, I wasn't touched one day, but I was touched yesterday, and I was touched this morning, and I've had another touch this week. That I'm continually seeking him and I'm continually finding him. I'm not that impressed with people who come to the altar and say, I do, for better or worse. And then when it gets worse, they bail out. I'm not that impressed with someone that loves a woman for one night. I'm very impressed that loves the same guys, love the same woman for an entire lifetime. That's impressive. It's not impressive to me that you've been touched and moved by the Spirit once. He is the great I am, not I was. And he's still moving in our lives today. We need to recognize him when he's in us and around us and moving in and through us. I'm very impressed with people who don't give up on the, on the, on the pursuit. And I'm a, assuming that the Magi had lots of opportunities to give up. I'm assuming that the shepherds had a choice in whether they were going to go search for the baby or not. And I honestly find it very sad when they got so excited. And they weren't that great as shepherds to have left their sheep, actually. But they left what they were doing. And, um, and they charged into the city. You know that getting to the city, they were on the hillside. So their search for Christ was uphill. Don't be surprised. There's a little bit of work in searching for Christ. They were on the hillside. Bethlehem's on the top of a hill. They were on the side of the hill. They left their sheep. They went screaming into town, telling everybody what the angels said. Um, and, and everybody that they talked to and told what had just happened, it said that they were all amazed. But it doesn't record that any of them actually went to see the Christ. I love being able to tell people about Jesus. But the purpose is not so I can get something off my chest, but so I can get something into theirs. We, we need to be excited and exuberant about our faith. But we can't give up. And nor can we give up in people when they're on, in their personal pursuits of Christ. And I think that 
so many times we, we misunderstand people's searches and we take them for rebellion or some other form of running from God. Everybody's on a pursuit for God. And when they find him, they're changed. Their entire past gets stopped and cleaned up and they move forward. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, they kept going day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Now, I'm so impressed with their ability, even when the signs change, for them to keep following different signs. I'm very impressed with that. If I were to ask you today, how teachable are you? What would your answer be? No, no, don't shout it out. I, reali I realize you didn't. <clears throat> you know what I do when I do self-evaluations on stuff? It's surprising. I give myself A pluses all the time. <laughs> I got the red pen. The teacher doesn't have them anymore. Well, what would you, if you had a mentor or a disciple or someone in your life, what, what would they say? How teachable are you? How flexible are you? When things begin to change, are you able to stick with it and stay with the pursuit and not give up? Would they, would they say, ah, oh, you're very flexible. I'm, I'm concerned as I get older that I don't get older in my methods, and my ways. I want to stay young. I want to stay nimble. When I look at the Christmas characters, point number two, I see that they were all seekers. They were all, they were, it was, it's, it's wonderful how unique they are. Excuse me, Mary, we think of her courage, but you know, she had an angelic visitation. When someone, you know, Gabriel shows up, gives you some directions, that's different than somebody like, Joseph, who just had kind of an anxious dream. That's all he had to go on. But she had an angelic visitation. Those, those, those are, uh, they're very few and far between. I think of the shepherds. They had an angelic visitation. Um, there's one character that we don't talk about very often. That's Simeon. <clears throat> Simeon and Anna. And I love, I love Simeon because God had given him a word early on in his life. And he stuck with that word. And he showed up. It says that... <clears throat> He was led by the Spirit to the temple that day. You may not know this, but I believe the Holy Spirit led you here today. How's that work? I don't know. But otherwise, wouldn't you be doing something else? But he led him to the temple. And, and you, you look, it says that he was, that um, this man Simeon, he was filled with the Spirit. He was eagerly expecting the Messiah. I love that. He stayed, he kept following, and he was eagerly expecting something to happen. I don't know the promise that you're letting go of this season, but I want you to eagerly expect that the Lord's going to follow through on the word that he's given to you. I want you to eagerly expect that. And he said he waited, he was waiting. It's the end of his life, and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come. The Holy Spirit had revealed that to him, and he didn't give up on it. He would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to Jesus, uh, the, uh, to, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, and he blessed him. I don't know what you think about this scene. Many times when I read scripture, I put myself in the scene. Here's Simeon, he's been waiting, he's had a prophetic word. You will see the Messiah. And he keeps showing up, and he keeps open, and he keeps available to, Lord, if you want to lead me today, where do you want me to go today? And that day he said, I want you to go to the temple. He didn't reveal to him that he was going to meet a mother and a father. He just said, you're going to see the Messiah. And he would have came to the, 
the court of women because Mary as a woman was not in, able to get into the most holy place. There was an outer court that she was, had access to. I love this. And he's not even in the holy of holies. But he's eagerly expecting to see the Lord's promise fulfilled. And he's eagerly expecting God to reveal it to him. And he's eagerly expecting that in that moment when that happens, he will know what it is. And he asks a mother who's had a baby eight days ago, because he's, he's eight days he's being presented. He asks a mother for her baby that's eight days old. Simeon. I'm not a mom. But I know when moms have babies, they don't give them up very easy. Especially to weird prophets, likely. What faith? I quite like this scene. Later on, there's a scene of Anna as well. And you see of Anna. And, uh, and I think it's beautiful. The persistence and the willingness and, and of Simeon to stay nimble and to stay open, even in his old age. I admire that. Okay, I'm going to come into a little bit of dicey ground right now. Mary is so unique. It's like God was on the search for her. He was looking for one. Where could I deposit this embryo? It's not that she was seeking him. He was seeking her. I feel this is much like our situation. Especially when we have families and heritages that have prophetic words on our family lines. It was, like, it was like when I tried to run from God, my grandma's prayers haunted me. They didn't bless me. They haunted me. And I'd find myself in situations that were compromising, that left me vulnerable spiritually. And something would happen deep within inside of me. No further. I could hear it. I was running from God. But these prayers were coming after me. I want my grandkids to know that they don't have a chance I've been praying, I'm praying enough sickum prayers that the Holy Spirit is only going to allow them to go so far. You can disagree if you want. I think it's important we pray for our entire family line backwards and our entire family line forwards. When, it, when, it, when Joshua said, and for me and my house, he was referring to his entire lineage. David, when you refer to the house of David, he wasn't referring to a building. He was referring to his entire bloodline backwards and forwards. I felt this week what I wanted to pray for this morning was people for houses. I realize now during worship that I'm praying for families. That's what I'm praying for. In a few moments, we'll do that. I found a great secret. And, um, and someday I'll share more about it. But, um, but, it's, but it's simply called Bible meditation. It's been incredibly helpful for me. Because it moves the word <clears throat> into my life. It incarnates the word. Um, it, so, so I just think about this very often because it's quite easy for us to go from text to talk without some thought. Especially as preachers. Those of you who will share the word, don't take the text and then just speak. Let it take some time to get into your life first. This is so critical. I'm sharing with you a great thought now that to not to run, not to rush revelation, but stop 
for reflection. Psalm 39 verse 3 says that while I meditated, the fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. I love how Mary took the words that were given to her, words by angels, words by shepherds, and she did something different. It says in chapter 2 and verse 18, it says Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart. I want us to be effective people. But I want us to take the scriptures and quietly treasure them in our hearts. Why is that important? I think that with all of these events and all the great things were going on, that she didn't just charge off. She just quietly treasured them in her heart. For the Lord's word to work in directing and protecting, you have to be willing to treasure it in your heart. Here's what the word treasure means, literally, to keep alive and to savor. I hope we, come, I hope we become r- r- ravishingly hungry for the word of God. But I hope we don't become Bible answer people. I hope we come, because the Bible has a mission. Did you know that? This word has a mission. And it's not for you to be able to have answers. This is, the mission of the Bible is not information, it's transformation. If you are a student of Scripture, when you get up from studying Scripture, ask yourself this question. After having studied the Scripture, do I love more? Do I love God more and do I love others more? The danger of us taking Scripture without letting that Scripture seep into our life is us becoming simply information people, not transformational people. There's a danger for all of us, a danger for me. The word illuminates our path for followers. Um, the, The purpose of the word of God is it has to, it needs to get into our relationships, into our character, and into our actions. Psalm 119 says, it's a light to my path. How important. I don't think it's possible to consistently find Christ if we're not using the scripture as a light for our path. I think that you would know that. That it's a light to my path. Question is, are you using the light or are you stumbling in darkness? How different would my life be if I believed the word that I just read? How different would your life be? When was the last time you had a personal word? When was the last time after studying the word, you set the word down and you just worshipped? I sit in my office when I wake up in the morning in the dark for quite a while. Because otherwise I'm tempted to just get professional about reading the Bible. And I need to be reminded of a whole bunch of things before I get into the word. That's just me. You might be further ahead than me. The mission of the scripture. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed. So listen with an open heart right now as I share a few things. I love that phrase, everything is God-breathed. He still breathes. There's still breath from heaven. When he says all scripture is God-breathed, what portion of scripture do you think he was referring to? Think about it. He was not thinking about the New Testament. It had not been written yet. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for instruction. He's referring to the Old Testament. Maybe even the the Torah. 
but he says it's got the breath of God on it. I'm about to confront you with some things that I feel I've been confronted on. All scripture is God-breathed. We'd all agree. My Bible says it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong. Teach us to do right and is God's way to prepare us in every way. Not to have answers, but to love God and love people more. Any study of scripture that doesn't lead to transformation has abandoned its missional path and has left us stranded. Our study of scripture must turn us into people who are different. Transformation. That's the hope. As you follow the light, this will lead you someplace. This will lead you to become more like Jesus. Is it possible to follow Jesus and not his word? Since the word became flesh, Emmanuel, I say no. Do you get people who tell you that they believe the Bible, but live any way they want to? You ever met people like that? It may be hard to admit for us, but I don't think we're any different. None of us are. Well, don't we look this way and that when we read through the scripture, look this way and that, and then we just kind of swipe it off our moral map and say, well, we're just going to do what we want to do anyway. You may be different. I submit that we're not. I've told you about the attendant at the dry cleaner shop. I told her I was a pastor, and she said, oh, well, I just live by the Ten Commandments. I go, oh, what are they? Well, you know. Well, how can you live by them if you don't know them? Well, you must know what they are. No, no, it doesn't matter what I am. What do you know? If you live by them, how, how, are, you, how are they really guiding your life? So, like, like, what do they say? Well, you know, like, do unto others and don't murder and where there's a will, there's a way and that sort of thing. <laughs> it's hilarious, I know. But, but I'm confronted with these ideas. I love Luke chapter 4 where Jesus searched through the scriptures and, the, the, uh, through, and he got to Isaiah and he said, this is me, and he declared it. I love that. You can't look through the scriptures with an open heart and breathe by the Holy Spirit and not find Jesus in every book of the Bible. God is with us. So, so I'm tempted to ask this question is when you talk about following the top ten... Which top ten? This is, this is messy. Because when you read through scripture, you'll find that we become pickers. We pick what we want and live what we want. Have you ever found that? Ah, uh, he didn't really mean that. Didn't really mean that. It gets a little bit tricky because we have to contextualize it. And we, here's what we'll do is we'll read, we'll read through what Paul says was God-breathed. And we say, oh, that was then, but this is now. Read through Leviticus 19. Pick any ten you want. You'll only find one that you like. I know. Right in the middle there it says, love your neighbor. Good, I'm going to pick that one. How are you doing at that? I suck. Just Honestly. Well, last night, my neighbor had a party really late in the night. I did not love him. You might be better with your neighbor, but there's a whole bunch of others there that are really unnerving. How many keep the Sabbath? He said it's important to keep the Sabbath. How many really keep the Sabbath? Like Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown. But it says we're to do that, right? Even in the Ten Commandments. How many do that? 
No, no, no. We pick and we choose. We either become radical literalists or Canadian pickers. <laughs> Try it. You re read through Matthew. You read through Matthew 23. And here's what Jesus said about the teachers of the law. Don't do what they do. Do what they say. That's... Well, you mean, oh, they're teaching the right stuff. They're just not living the right way. I don't know if this confronts you or not. This is difficult for me. Further on, you know, he commands people to tithe. Did you know that? Matthew 23, 23. Statistically, churches in North America, uh, somewhere between 7 and 12% tithe. No, no, but we live by the word. We believe the word. What do you think about circumcision? This is messy, I know. I don't think there'd be many here that would disagree that we should not, that we would say, you know, premarital sex is wrong. Did you know there's nothing about it in the New Testament? But in Leviticus, right there in the middle, it says if you do that, if you have premarital sex, you have to pay the father the price of the bride. How would that be like looking in your mailbox and find a bunch of money? Horrifying, I know. It also said, did you know you're not supposed to eat medium rare or rare meat? Does anybody eat rare meat? You're picking and choosing, I know. The word is to be a lamp unto our feet. Are we able to fulfill every word in here? I would like to say, boy, we really try hard. I fail so often. But here's the good news. There was one who fulfilled every word, every jot, and every tittle. And that name is Jesus. That's the good news. All right. I'm not in too much trouble, right? We have a hot and cold relationship with Jesus as revealed in Scripture. And we excuse ourselves all, our all the time. Our lack of obedience is pandemic. And our need for grace and forgiveness and mercy is too. My study of scripture often leads me gasping for grace. It says that when they found him, they fell down and worshiped. And they opened up their chests. What a sight. Have you ever wondered when they fell down and worshiped? Have you ever wondered what was the response of Jesus to that? baby would he have went oh nice what would he have, what he may have just smiled maybe it was maybe it wasn't gas he probably wouldn't go I, I see that I see that what happens when we worship we fall down and worship and we don't get the response that we would like Jesus never entered the world like a human. He entered the world as a human. Men, many wonder what God's like. Christmas is when God is with us. Him whom the universe could not contain became a single cell and eventually the size of a fist. Suspended amniotic fluid and then a heart and then another chamber of the heart. You can never say that he doesn't understand, he doesn't care, 
and he doesn't love when you realize he came as one of us, God with us, Emmanuel. Never could the collective mind of humanity ever envision such a thing as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How does God feel? When you look at the tears of Jesus, you know how God feels. When you see Jesus laugh, you know how God feels. When he said, no, 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 let the kids come, you know how God feels. We know how he feels because he's been with us and among us. Don't give up on your pursuit of Christ. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on Christ. He'll never give up on you. Never. This morning as we step into our into the worship season, sorry, the Christmas season of worship. I want to pray for people's families. So I want you to stand with me. The the specific word that I feel I have on my heart was praying for people who want a house. That's That's what came up during my personal prayer time. If you've been renting for a long time and in your heart you'd like to own a house, I want to pray for you. If that's in your heart, I'm not putting it there. I'm just saying if you would like to own a house. And secondly, I want to pray for people whose houses, their their lineage, backwards or forwards, is pretty heavy and pretty on your heart this morning. I want to pray for you. So if you fall into one of those categories, I want you to just come up quickly so I can pray for you together. Lord, I thank you for meeting with us this morning. I thank you for meeting with us in personal ways this morning. I think that you have promises for us that you never give up on. We give up on on them. We give up. But you never give up. Father, this morning we we are representative of your body and your beautiful bride. Some who want a house, they want a family. This morning, we reverse the curse of barrenness in the name of Jesus. Father, for those who are wanting a house, a place to live, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just agree with that desire in each of these hearts right now that your provision will be real and will be seen. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord whose provision will be seen. For those, Lord, who are burdened this morning for family, backwards and forwards, family line. I pray for those lines, those lineages. And I ask, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for you to to call these kids, these men and women, sons and daughters, I ask that you would call them home. Lord, I thank you that you haven't given up for a second. I thank you that you have been with us and been among us, Lord, today. And I thank you as we go, Lord, you go with us. So this morning, I want to pray and Lord, that we would have the faith of Simeon that would not give up for our entire life and that we would be willing to be led by the Spirit into specific places and that when we see our promise fulfilled, that we would declare it boldly in the name of Jesus. Father, we're standing on behalf of so many. I feel we're standing. I feel this is a, 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 clearly a generational prayer this morning. So, Father, as we gather at Christmas, let us see the signs. Let us hear the scriptures. Let us dream the dreams. Unless after we've met you, let us leave different in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. Christmas Eve service. Have a very, very, very Christmas. Don't let go of the promise.
God bless you. You're really